It's been a long day, but uh, we figured we'd hash one of these out before I went to bed. Welcome back, Andy. How's it going, buddy? Oh, you know, pretty good. Uh, just starting to, you know, settle into the cold weather. It's starting to, like, actually get cold. Uh, I know I mentioned last week that it was getting to robe weather, but now it's starting to get to... I should have probably bought a winter coat by now weather. Um, They're about to be super expensive. Yeah, and from what I've heard, it was snowing in Vermont today, which is pretty close to me, so not quite ready for that. But, eh, you know, we'll we'll wing it if it gets to that point. Yeah, man. Um, It's 29 degrees in Indy right now. Uh, I just went to the Pacers game, so my voice is like a little fried. I sat in the fan section. They have like this whole block of fans, and uh, it felt like a playoff game. So if I sound a little down and out tonight, that is why, even though like I'm high on life. Um, obviously, recording this podcast, but this week I have ran hotter than the fucking sun, like just parked where I shouldn't be parking, not getting a ticket, um, got free tickets to the last uh, three Pacers games, didn't get to go to Mondays, and then uh, free tickets to the Colts game tomorrow, and they play the Jets, so, like, I'm expecting an easy dub. In fact, the only thing that has been, like, in the remote area of, like, garbage is Cincinnati being left out of the... uh, college football playoff rankings, but that's neither here nor there. We're not here to talk about college football because you and I have already discussed how horrible the ranking systems are and how they overvalue the Big Ten, undervalue a lot of conferences. Like, why isn't Wake Forest near the top? They play in the ACC. That's a Power Five conference. They're undefeated. I mean, I know they haven't played anybody yet, but – they're eight no. They've beaten everybody they're supposed to have beaten. In fact, I think everybody said they were going to be six and six. So, two wins ahead of that. So, yeah, the, <laughs> we could do an entire bonus episode on the college football playoff rankings. But uh, what I will say on the record is that, uh, yeah, the Big Ten this year might be like the most overrated conference as a whole that I've seen in my time watching college football. Um, And the only reason that like any of those teams are ranked is because they started the season ranked and they all played each other, but none of them were very good. Um, No, the most undervalued team is probably Oregon, but Oregon's also lost to Stanford. So like, I don't know who they are either. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't agree with the rankings. Like, at all right now, but uh, it's, I don't know, I have to see how it shakes It's going to be the first year a two-loss team gets into the playoff, too, because, like, the second Alabama loses to Georgia SEC title game, they're going to be like, oh, sorry, Michigan State, we know that you only have one loss, and it's to Ohio State, but, like, tough shit, you're not going to make it. Like, and that's, I understand the SEC's where the money is, where all the best players are, but come on, let's cut the shit. Yeah, and like they will put a two-loss team in over an undefeated Cincinnati. Like a two-loss Bama will make it over Cincinnati. which Or is- hell, an undefeated Wake Forest or a one-loss Notre Dame. Like 
there are so many teams I would think at that point that would deserve it more, but they're not going to get in. Especially if like you see um, some of the other non-power five schools run the table. Like I feel like you have to leave a group of five school in. And if that happens and they, you know, Bama goes in as a two loss team, like what are we even doing? You know? Yeah. Um, Obviously, (laughs) obviously you have a tough game on Saturday. You get, uh, you get to play at Papa John stadium in Louisville. Uh, against Malik Cunningham and the high-powered offense, the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, that team, that, that game should be pretty good. That being said, I think I would pick Clemson to win. I think your defense is just too good. And I think the uh, spreads like four points or something. Um, makes you guys bowl eligible. It sucks you guys have three losses, though. Hopefully you guys get your recruiting back up. That's – I'm going to, I want to do a deep dive at some point on exactly what happened, but long story short, Clemson benefited from having three of like the best offensive configurations in the team's history back to back to back over the last 10 years. Uh, You went from in 2011, you had Todd Boyd, Andre Ellington, Sammy Watkins, New Hopkins, just like that offense is what really brought you into this era. Then that gets followed up with Deshaun Watson, Wayne Gallman, T. Higgins, all these, uh, Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Like that offense was also great. And then followed up with the best quarterback and maybe controversial in Clemson circles, best running back in Clemson history with Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. Like you can't, sustain that forever and i think dj is a solid quarterback he's not at the same level as trevor our running back situation is i keep looking at the stat the box scores and not recognizing any of the names of these people so i think once we get our running back situation in check hopefully we'll come back but as for the rest of this year i'm cincinnati all the way i want let's go Go Bearcats, baby. Um, as a Boise State fan, as my first college football team, I'm all for the like outside the power five underdog coming in and wrecking face. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm team Bearcat. Yeah, and again, I understand the hesitancy because who has Cincinnati beaten? Well, first off, they beat Notre Dame in South Bend, which is horrible. It's like almost impossible to do mm-hmm. they have beat an iu team at iu which looks more worse and worse every week but like iu is still good in the big 10 if they're not hurt like i don't, I don't think people understand how bad injuries are like down the hoosiers this year they've been blowing out pretty much every team other than the navy game that they played uh they beat temple 52 to 3 ucf 56 to 21 they have one more game that's going to be really tough on the 20th. I'm going to try to go. I really want to see them play again this year. I watched them down at IU. I want to see them against SMU. The game's in Cincinnati. Really going to determine the fate of a group of five school because if I feel like if they run the table, they can't be left on the outside looking at. That's my hope. Um, that being said, you also have UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio, who is 
uh, I believe, 8 0. Um, interesting story there. No chance in hell they get into the playoff, but I do love the fact that they have beat three, or sorry, two Power Five schools and two group of five schools. Uh, they're in the Conference USA, which is not what it used to be. Uh, but they did keep, they did agree with their, on an extension with their coach for 10 years worth $28 million. So congrats to their coach. Congrats to the school. That's awesome. Um, that's going to talk, that's going to wrap up sports. We got too much to talk about this album. Uh, for those of you who didn't listen last week, please go listen to last week. It was a lot of fun. But this week we decided to go a little progressive here. Uh, we're going to go with Kansas Point of No Return. And uh, I saw you already post the photos of you listening to it on vinyl earlier. Uh, yep. Giving it your last listen through before we ran this. I've been spinning it nonstop on Spotify. I'm pretty sure my roommate's like borderline pissed off at me because I like nonstop just this album over and over again. And this is, I think it produced Kansas's second and third biggest hits if I'm not mistaken, like the ones you hear on the radio. And it's interesting to me, just like where Kansas sits in music's legacy. Because for me, when I was growing up, Kansas was awesome. I mean, they were like, for me, like as far as progressive music, when it was like Pink Floyd, Rush, Kansas, and then like, they were all like kind of in this power three type of thing. And for whatever reason, I mean, no one ever really talks about just how good Kansas actually was. Um, that could just be people maybe not knowing because it is some off the wall stuff there. Some of their music is strange um, to many, but overall, I think the, the albums uh, are well-written. And again, like we're going to get to this one tonight. They're very different. Every song is different than the last. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say like, I picked this album for this, like I said last week, because of the art. Um, I remember the first time I saw this album art was actually when I was in middle school. We had a like art club that met after schools called Teen Arts, um, and it was basically like a couple of days after each week after school, you could stay behind for like an hour and work on an art project that we would submit to um, like a local competition. Basically, it was like a county thing, and each year we'd get to go. It was like a two or three day thing. We'd get to go like show off our whatever art piece we worked on and get to do workshops. And one of the workshops was talking about like music albums and covers of those albums. And I remember seeing this album cover and like this is so cool. Um, and I'd heard I'd heard like the typical Kansas songs that you hear on the radio before that. That was like all we listened to when I was little. It was like classic rock. But I just remember seeing this album like that is the coolest thing. And the one that I tweeted out the picture of that, that album has been on my wall for as long as I can remember, just like no matter 
where I lived, what room I was in, whatever, that album's always been with me. Um, and pulled it out today and got to play it. And the front side's a little a little dinged up, but the back side is immaculate. And, um, you know, getting to hear some stuff on vinyl, it's like, you know, part of the reason that we're doing this, so. I agree. And I think one of the things that is like super undervalued when it comes to music of this era is just how much better it sounds listening to it on vinyl than like a cassette or even a CD or digitally. I, I, I think like vinyl is like the perfect way to listen to music. Uh, one of the things I, I humble brag moment here, uh, my sister had a record player a few years ago. So every year I just give her an album for Christmas, like something, uh, something to like put up on her wall or like listen to. So I've given her a couple of Goo Goo Dolls albums. And then uh, last year I gave her a copy of Bad Motor Finger, which I'm hoping we will do in a future episode of this show. Uh, Bad Motor Finger, obviously by Soundgarden. And she hates grunge music, but she loves that record. The album covers lit. The music on record sounds so different, so much deeper, um, much more like almost finesse. Like it's meant to be listened to that way. And it was never like put out originally on vinyl. It was always a CD or a, um, got an A track. And then of course they had it digitalized and now it's on vinyl. And so it's like, it just sounds better. So this one, uh, produced by Jeff Glicksman, released October 11th, 1977, approaching a 45-year anniversary next year. Uh, Glicksman, famous not only for Kansas, I think he did every Kansas album, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but also Black Sabbath, Gary Moore. Um, and then he's also done some other stuff. He did a couple of ELO things. Um, but to me, this, this is such a kind of a monumental step. You had three songs chart in the Hot 100. And again, it just feels like every song is completely different. Um, the three songs that charted was uh, Portrait, He Knew, which honestly kind of forgot about before we listening to this album. Um, Point of No Return, which is the namesake of the album. And then of course, Dust in the Wind, which besides Carry On Wayward Son is, I would think the second most popular, second most listened to song, if I had to guess, I mean, without looking at it. And again, that's not a bad trio of songs. Like, again, Portrait's kind of forgettable. Like I honestly keep forgetting it's a song on this album. But on the flip side, like, yeah, Dust in the Wind has 408 million plays, by the way, on Spotify, which is absurd. It actually has more plays than Carry On Wayward Song, which is, again, absolutely absurd like, to me. But yeah, I think that uh, this album kind of had it all. 
everything from kind of like catchy tunes and like kind of mellow tracks even uh, obviously dust in the wind's a very mellow like slow track to even video game music as we'll talk a little bit about later um so i gotta ask you we kind of got over the general ideas of this album where were you when you first started oh gosh yeah like the yeah like i remember hearing point of no return dust in the wind all the time going fishing with my dad and i was like really little like sitting on the tailgate of his truck fishing um with the radio playing like i i remember hearing those like a really young age and um i remember it had been a long time since like listening to the whole album just like top to bottom before this to the point where i kind of forgot most of it um, so going back in for this was like really fun just to kind of go back there and listen to everything kind of almost like listening to it for the first time um, but yeah like I always really enjoyed Point of No Return um, Dust in the Wind I just I, I like it I always just associate it with old school um, if you have seen that movie um it's just like connected in my mind forever but i will say like listening to it now i definitely had a different feeling where it's like if you're and i can see kind of why people weren't as aren't as receptive to some of the other songs why like a lot of them just seem to get skipped um when people are like playing songs by Kansas is like if you all you've ever heard are the big three songs from them like Carry On Wayward Son, Point of No Return, Dust in the Wind you and you went and listened to like this album you'd be kind of like what is going on here like this is very much you see more of like the progressive rock element to the band when you go into the other songs on this album um and it's super, it's super interesting to see. So that's my, uh, I guess my overall take on it. But yeah, like really enjoyed listening to it. Um, was is big shakeup from everything else we've done so far. So for sure. Honestly, like I think we needed a little bit of a shakeup here. Um, let's go song by song. Oh, wait, I got to tell you where I first heard this. Man, I'm so out of it today. Um, this was another one of those library CDs. My parents didn't care for Kansas, really. Um, so, again, it was just one of those, like, oh, I borrowed leftover return. It was really good. This one will probably be good. And I remember popping this in my CD player. And I was, like, jamming along, point of no return. Then Paradox comes on. I'm, like... I don't know, as a kid, I was really naive. I just thought that like, oh, if song titles overlap, they're just gonna be covers of each other. And I remember there was a couple of other bands who like had done a song called Paradox. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, but it's obviously not a cover. So 
I then realized like, okay, that's different. Um, and then of course the spider comes on. And at this point in my life, I'm playing Pokemon Ruby, staying up Game Boy under my pillow till 4 a.m. And every time I hear this, all I can think of is the Pokemon Ruby soundtrack. Like, oh, you just ran into a wild Pokemon or you're fighting the gym leader, whatever. And so this album had it all for me. And so that was where I first heard it. I mean, I have a list of a lot of classic rock recently, uh, which is kind of a mistake on my part, but you know, it's gotta be like one of those like specific kind of moods for me. I'm always in the mood for songs about being sad and depressed, like grunge and all that, but classic rock, you know, it's a little too uplifting for my liking, you know. <laughs> um, that being said, let's go song by song. First song of the album, I said, Point of No Return. Any fancy notes about this? Um, so I think this, this song, I think, sets a theme for the rest of the album where I feel like this album is about just like every, it feels like just about every song on this album is about someone gaining some sort of immense amount of knowledge and then disappearing all these songs are just like somebody left, but they had profound knowledge to share with the world, but now we can't get it anymore. That's what it feels like. Um, it's like so many songs just have that like through line. Um, but I just remember every time I hear this song, it's like very much like, I always just want to like move along with the chorus. It's got such a good like drive to it. Um, yeah, I really, I really like the song. It's definitely, uh, I would put it up there as like some of my favorite uh, classic rock tunes. Um, and I like the ending of it, where it's just like, you don't know exactly what happens. Like what you, you'll never find out what actually happens past the point of no return. So um, it's, it's cool. Yeah, this is, again, one of those weird, like, super kind of uplifting songs. It reminds me a lot of, like, music by Styx, mm -hmm. where it's, like, very, uh, obviously, a lot of these songs can be very keyboard-heavy, phenomenal keyboards. And um, this one, very keyboard-heavy, very quick-sounding almost frantic at times, even though the opening is very calm and paced during all of the uh, verses and then all the choruses, it starts to speed up a little bit. Um, yeah, this is honestly one of my favorite album openings too. Like, I think it's a very underrated album opening as like a you know, to set not only the tone and the mood for the album as a whole, um, but also like just as a solid song to start everything off because every good album starts off with a great song. Let's move on to Paradox. 
Okay. And my thoughts on this is it's it, I really like the opening first 10, 15 seconds. It feels very, um, it's almost like you're hitting quests along the way, you know, like, uh, but yeah, like the first like 20 seconds of the song was just like very uplifting, very keyboard heavy, overlapping chords, and then it begins to pick up, and obviously, then you start getting your strings and everything added in. Um, and then, for me, the it's the the lyrics in this, and by that, not, not the lyrics, but like the, the uh, verses in this are very awesome. I love the kind of short uh, introduction to each phrase that picks up with a longer second half and then immediately goes back to short. And then the, the verses are also really good on this. It, it's just a very well-developed and well-written song. Yeah, I remember. So like, like I said, it's been a long time since I've listened to the whole album to the point where it felt like a fresh listen to it. And the intro of the song definitely just reminds me of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. It's like the first thing that immediately comes to mind. Just like the way that all the instruments are layered at the beginning. Which I love. I love Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. So uh, it's a good thing for me. Um, I always get the Crosby, Stills, and Nash kind of vibe too. Like mm. um, some of these are very like Crosby, Sills, and Nash vibe. So I I agree. I, I do like the Emerson, Lincoln, Polar comparison to this one. That's definitely a one I hadn't really thought about, but I definitely agree with. And the um, one thing I will say when I was like listening to this is just like the way that the verses are paced. It I felt like I could predict what the lyrics were going to be. Just like a split second before they said it most of the time which is it's not like a bad thing like you know sometimes songs have to be like lyrics are the way they are for a reason and it's not like oh the song's so predictable it was just like an interesting thing i kept noticing like i was like filling in lyrics in my head i was like oh that's actually what the lyric is huh <laughs> like right and i think I think Kansas has very well-written songs to where like the structure kind of sets up the lyrics. You know, I, I think that's one of the things that I really like about the band as a whole. The next one is my favorite song on the album by Miles. Like every time I listen to it, it just like helps me reminisce of like childhood playing Pokemon because it is literally like note for note out of a Pokemon video game. I can't tell you which one, but it's literally just like, oh yeah, that Team Rocket guy you've been chasing, yeah, you gotta fight him. Or like, here's a legendary out in the middle of nowhere, fight him. It feels like a battle music, whether it's Pokemon or some other RPG, um, for sure. What are your thoughts on the spider? Yeah, I enjoy it. Um, 
I mean, I like this little, it's definitely, is like a nice little interlude on the album, like going out of Paradox, you still get this kind of continuation of the same kind of feeling. Um, and I think it's in a really good place on the album. Just like, you don't want to add like a whole extra instrumental section to the end of Paradox, but I think it would feel a little bit odd going directly from Paradox into Portrait. So I think it's like a very good placement strategically um, in the album. And it is super fun. It definitely reminds me of similarly like that old school video game music. And it's it's fun. I, it's just a nice, fun instrumental track. I really like it. For sure. Portrait's the next one. Portrait. Uh, and then in parentheses, he knew. And this is probably my least favorite song on the album. If I had to be real. I really don't care for it. Um, I do like the lyrics, but overall, it's just not my favorite. It's not my cup of tea. Um, very slow pace at the beginning. I really hate the intro to the song for whatever reason. Um, they kind of redid it with their remix of it. It's a little better. But again, it's still just like, I don't care for it all that much. Um, obviously, it has a buildup, but like, I just, I, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I I can agree that like intro is a little bit odd. I do enjoy the song. Um, I definitely just listening through it for this um first time i wasn't sure of the actual background about it um so like the second time i was listening to it i was like okay so this song is about a person who's it about and my guess just based on the way they were talking was uh nikola tesla was my thought uh, and it turns out it was actually written about albert einstein which is like pretty close um, yeah. and it's definitely interesting like I think it would have been better if they just hadn't said who it was about, honestly. Just like imagining this like weird kind of rock ballad about Howard Einstein is kind of odd. Um, but also enjoy the fact that the writer of this song later made a sequel, I guess, to the song called Portrait 2. And instead of Albert Einstein, it was about Jesus. So... Um, if you're two varying scales there for sure yeah i mean just like <laughs> to me that feels like um the there was that one episode of south park where they decided they were gonna create like a christian rock band and they just took like regular rock songs and put jesus in instead of like <laughs> baby or whatever yeah. that's what it feels like they were just like albert einstein just for us to have like jesus and this is uh that's how you get portrait two but yes. you know, people always make that joke. It's like, oh, if X is so great, why isn't there an X2? Um, you can actually say there was a sequel to Portrait, so it must have been pretty good. Right. Um, I don't know, man. This just this was not my favorite thing in the world. Like I guess I like the lyrics, but other than I could take or leave the song. It has its place in the album. And I respect that, but it's not for me. Let's move on, though. Next song on the list. 
Closet Chronicles. This was an interesting, um, interesting like song to me. I always have liked how the song starts off because you have the ending of portraits and instead of like having a long introduction with no vocals, they really come in five seconds in or whatever, talking about who the song is going to be about. Instead of, oh, hey, you gotta wait about a minute minute and a half before you actually get to know who it is. Um, I really like this one. It was very forgettable the first several times I listened to it as a kid. But listening to it now, reading the lyrics, like kind of understanding, just like much better than I remember for sure. Yeah, I yes, this song was apparently written sort of like an allegory for the life of Howard Hughes, uh, who was a um, pretty rich man, basically a billionaire. He was a philanthropist, uh, did worked in film, also did stuff with airlines, um, kind of two of his most notable ventures. And he died in 1976. Um, after he was very reclusive in his later life um he died um he was almost unrecognizable when he died just because of um how reclusive and kind of like a bunch of lingering health issues had like creeped up on him and had like caused his like decline so it's definitely interesting listening to it I feel like the beginning of it is like the first part. You're like, oh, this is going to be some song about like a medieval feeling. Like you get kind of like almost like, oh, like this is some king and like you know, 1200 or whatever. But then getting into the next line is like talking about the 42nd floor. Then you're like, okay, this is like a modern, modern time frame that we're talking about. And it's definitely does a really good job of putting you in the position of the like protagonist of the song or the king who's being written about like you feel like kind of isolated from everyone else i think the music the instrumental really does a good job of getting you into that um mind state um but again this is another song where it's like you know character has this like knowledge that these chronicles that um people just like take their presence for granted and then the person dies and then that's knowledge is lost um it's like it's like a trend but i uh yeah i, I like this song it's a it's a like a little bit more serious than some of the other ones like even he knew or even portrait i think while it has some a somewhat serious topic is like a little bit more poppy so you don't have as serious of a tone but this one i think carries up like that seriousness a little bit more and also it like finishes off the a side of the album so it's like 
kind of an ending you hit an ending point when you get to the end of the song which i think is really powerful next one's lightning's hand and this one is interesting because to me it sounds like the middle of like this it starts off like in the middle of a guitar solo that's kind of how it feels. Obviously, that's not how it's written. But the vibe from the song is like, oh, yeah, we're in the middle of a guitar solo. But uh, I got to sing. Um, and I really like the opening because it just feels so different. Like Everything else has been very kind of like light and almost playful. And this feels aggressive and kind of like in your face. And it definitely feels like it could be almost like a sequel to like Carry On Wayward Son just based on instrumentation and how it sounds. Yeah, it's definitely... um... I really like it just picking off from the end of Classic Chronicles, like picking up with like more of an upbeat song. Um, yeah, I really love the guitar port part of the song, just very much just like kind of like muted, just very kind of like chunky notes that you get. It's very, you're just driving you forward, like, like very much, um, very strong, gives you like more of that like rock vibe to go along with like most of the other songs have that very like progressive lots of keys um electronic instruments the song has a little bit more of the like rock thing that if you liked carry on wayward son then like that's kind of the sound you want then the song has that for you absolutely The next song, obviously, is Dust in the Wind. And this is definitely the most played song on this album by literal miles. I mean, just like... And I liked this song growing up. I don't know how much I love it now. Like, it hasn't aged well for my, like, taste. But... The harmonies in it are really good. The message behind it itself is very good. I just, for me personally, has aged the best. Yeah, I think that it's, it definitely felt a little out of place on the album, um, just because the instrumentation is so different. It's basically just an acoustic guitar. Um, and we had a, a little bit of that when we were talking about Nevermind, where there were some songs that seemed a little out of place, namely like Polly. But even with Nevermind, I think there was a progression of songs that led into Polly that made it work. Here, it's just like all these songs are fairly high energy, like lots of instrumentation, very busy. And then you're going from Lightning's Hand, which is kind of very, um, I feel like, 
cathartic moment that you get with all this guitar build up and then you just go into dust in the wind it just feels like you're being just hitting like a speed bump going like 80 miles an hour just like you just like stop and like it's very good i think the reason that it is so timeless is because of that instrumentation though it's very much something like people still enjoy listening to acoustic music today so while some of the like electric pianos and the synths that were popular in the 70s might not be as popular today like people don't necessarily aren't necessarily looking for that sound um, people are always going to want to listen to acoustic music and good harmonies and that's what this song has and you know the message is simple enough just to pick up the lyrics are not overly complicated they're very direct and um really good at just getting their message across so i think all of that combines for just an iconic song that's going to stand the test of time relative to the rest of the album i agree i just okay, so this one's not as age well personally but i i do like um lyrics especially in this one sparks of the tempest next on this i think this is one of the most underappreciated songs on this album yeah um It, it's got like a jazzy feel to it. It's got like, um, it almost starts off in like the first band that comes to my mind is like Boston, where with the guitars, and then it immediately goes into this weird kind of funky, jazzy, almost fusion esque sound like this going on. And I, I adore it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think this one definitely, I think it's a song where like you listen to it the first time, like, oh yeah, this is like really cool. Um, and if you like listen to the rest of the songs on this album and listen to the lyrics, you're probably like, oh, it's more of kind of that like fantastical feeling that the rest of the songs give. But the lyrics of this song are like pretty, a little bit more intense, I think, than some of the others like very much talking about like some sort of authoritarian takeover like dystopian society it's like if you're not listening as closely to this one as some of the others you might not pick up on that but the lyrics i think do a really good job of putting you in that mindset it's like okay well you know you hear sparks of the tempest but then you, like if you need to pay attention to the rest of it and like hear the rest of the lyrics talking about like how you're just like a piece in the game or you're a cog in the wheel things like that like you're just this is what i'm talking about you're you're just a piece of the machine and the machine's going to keep going on um unless you like have a resolution revolution or something like that so so this uh the lyrics in the song are my second favorite on the album we're going to get to favorite lyrics later but they're my second favorite because it reminds me of final fantasy 4 and the fact that, like, the in the opening lines, the sparks of the tempest rage a hundred years 
on the voice of the dreamer screams the cause of the pawn the king and queen are gone each piece is the same the difference between us is part of the game in the in the game final fantasy 4 and if you don't hear spoilers skip like a minute and a half uh you have to fight the four elemental archfiends uh and rube nikante is the fire archfiend who possesses this like king and queen of a castle that they're trying to take over and you end up slaying the king and the queen by using their son like on your battle team (laughs) so like you pick up this ninja who's like the prince of elbon to slay his mom and dad who have been mutated by this elemental arch fiend and it's just like the whole like first stanza of the song was just like that's what that game like is representing it's just like oh yeah you might have to do like horrible things like unspeakable things the voice of the dreamer screams the cause of the pawn <laughs> and yet you're still part of the game keep going like <laughs> and it's nuts um, but yeah, the song is very dark without like, I don't think intending to be dark. I mean, maybe that's how it's written. Maybe they want it to be like a very dark and demoralizing song. But I think they weren't intending that. I think it was actually just like these lyrics are kind of bitching, honestly. Mm-hmm. And they thought that and they were like, let's produce it. And now looking on it now, where, you know, we are, you know, 23 to, 28-year-old people who are uh, being held down as part of the game, you know, so. Yeah, like, recent events in politics might have influenced my interpretation of the song. Um, but, I don't know, I'm not going to get too doomer on, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. on this song's... podcast. This is supposed to be a happy place, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The next one's Nobody's Home, and I swear to God, the first time I heard this like reheard this because i honestly forgot it existed i thought it was part of the fucking musical rent <laughs> it was like the first time i was like what isn't that part of rent and then i had to re-listen to the rent soundtrack which isn't the best life choice but i was like what the what the hell <laughs> like, this isn't right um and what i learned was is that the reason the song was forgettable is that it's like not that great like it's fine yes yeah. like it's not it's not not an a it's not even a b it might be a c you know like yeah so when i was um basically the trend like i have a pattern established now for this podcast since we've been going for a couple weeks where i listen to the album a bunch of times and then usually on like monday or tuesday i'll sit down during lunch at work and then just write out the tracks on a sheet of paper and then i'll kind of rank them from there and when i wrote them out i actually forgot to put this one down like i was looking at the track list on spotify and just glazed over this one uh this is just so forgettable and it's another it feels a little bit out, not quite as out of place as dust in the wind because it has some of that um like electronic instrumentation to it 
similar to, I guess, Closet Chronicles a little bit. It kind of gives that same feel, which might be the reason why it feels so forgettable. Because um, it's not as intense at any point as Closet Chronicles. Um, you know, the lyrics aren't as descriptive, at least for me. So it's just forgettable. And once again, it's someone going far away and then, you know, coming back and then there's nobody there to appreciate their um, whatever word they have to spread. So very much, that's just like the theme of the album, I think. Honestly, though, are we just overlooking that this entire album is just like the soundtrack of an RPG? So like... <laughs> I was actually going to make a point, and this one might be um, this might be controversial to some people. But as I was listening to this and kind of drawing that thing of like all the songs had that same kind of like general theme and like I don't know some like fantastical elements. I'm like, this is like it feels like a prog rock version of a Dragon Force album, where like all the songs kind of have that same energy to them. Ew just kind of rehash different ways that's kind of the feeling i got here um so yeah kansas uh, the dragon force of the 70s apparently but like um, i listen to this and i read the lyrics because like i did do that earlier i read through all the lyrics and i'm yeah. just like this could literally just be like you play it all on like lute and like english horn and it could be like the soundtrack to Final Fantasy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And so that's like, that's what's kind of weird. Uh, we got one more song to go over because the other two are kind of like reprises slash a live version if you go off Spotify. Uh, okay. Hopelessly hopelessly Human, uh, the longest song on the album. The opening reminds me of Mannheim Steamroller, but like not Christmas. Like if Mannheim Steamroller did a not Christmas album that like people listen to, this would be one of the songs on there. <laughs> but I like how it kind of like settles down and you hear the like the lost voice or whatever you want to call it. The lead singer being the lost voice for this one. And I gotta say, I don't hate this one, even though it's seven minutes long. The intro is like a minute, minute and a half. It's different enough from everything else to where it's actually kind of enjoyable. Yeah. Like reading through the lyrics, it gives me a little bit of the same vibes as Hook by Blues Traveler. Um like all these hot licks and rhetoric surely do you no harm um and when each word is read would you know the difference if nothing was said that's pretty much the plot like the whole like concept behind hook is like doesn't matter what i say like it's just the hook is what brings you into the song um so very much it gives that same kind of feeling to me and yeah I, re- I like the song it's really good um and it's like I, is it saying that the whole idea of 
our like enjoyment of things is just like part of our human nature and there's nothing we're going to be able to do to like get past that and dig deeper to find like deeper meaning into things is that is that what it's saying like there's all sorts of different ways you can interpret this and i like music that makes you think like that even though the song's saying you probably won't even think about it you'll just like like this like the music and sing along without thinking but it's it's definitely something that can provoke some thought sweet that's all songs of the album we got seven awards well six six awards and a grade let's do this okay what song has the best lyrics on the album um so my choice for best lyrics is it's probably for me for me it's gonna be sparks of the tempest just for um i don't know i'm feel, i'm feeling a little doomer right now so yeah i'm picking sparks of the tempest sure uh for me i'm gonna pick closet chronicles because of like all the billionaires now and just like if the plot of this song happened to some of them, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But, um, you know, also, it, the first verse of the song is very, uh, very eye-opening for me. I really like this. Uh, the king's in the closet hiding from the day. And though he owns all fortunes, this room is where he'll stay. I love it. Absolutely love it. What are your least favorite? Uh, uh, sorry, what is the worst lyrics on the album? Worst lyrics? Um, hmm. uh, obviously, we are omitting the spider because it is doesn't have lyrics. So. Um, hmm. It's probably... Uh, it's tough. It's tough. Um... You want, me think, give my, you want me to give my vote? Yeah, I'll, I'll hear yours first. I'm going to give it to Dust in the Wind. I hate the lyrics on this song. Like, <laughs> as a kid, I used to love this song. And, like, now I read it as an adult. I'm just like, homie, blinking is not the end of the world. Like, that, and that's kind of what the first, like, stance is about. Like, I close my eyes for a moment and the moment's gone. Who gives a shit? And I know this song is about, like dying like death and dying and all that but like to try to go through this like overly extravagant way of saying like oh yeah dying sucks like live your life type of thing do what pink floyd did with the song time and just be like yeah time's ticking away let's grow the fuck up like do something about it and instead this is like the opposite side of that of like I'm sad I'm dying. Okay, I think I've made my choice. Um, and that would be Lightning's Hand. Okay. Um, just because th- those lyrics are like a little bit more nonsensical than everything else. I think Dust in the Wind is like a solid choice just because it's kind of... There's a <laughs> lot of cliche going on in it. Um, like Lightning's Hand sounds like a... like the lyrics from it could be like written down in a book as like a part of the setting for like mm-hmm. the first two two stanzas so you could literally just like oh yeah this is the setting of where you're at and you wouldn't have learned a damn thing about the plot and it would still make sense 
I would not be surprised if this entire song has been um, stated as someone making attacks in a D&D game. I could just see that happening. Like, I don't know. I don't know if the members of Kansas were into any sort of role-playing game, but if they were, like, maybe they just came up with this from that. They were like part of the beta crew of like Legend of Zelda, and this they wrote this song as like an homage to it, but they couldn't tell anybody. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, this is how I feel when I play this video game. No, I, I, I would put this probably as second worst if I had to like. I, I, I mean, I'm just telling you, Dust in the Wind is not age well for me. <laughs> All right, we already know my best song. And it's not even close for me. Like, the spider is miles ahead of everything else. What about you? Um, so, my favorite song, when I was going through it, and it's kind of tough for me. I really like, just as a song, I guess, overall, is Portrait which I know you said is like one of your least favorite. I just like, so I will say, I don't like the idea of it being written about somebody. Like the fact it's written about our sign definitely kind of hurts it for me, but I just kind of imagine it as just the story of basically any like innovator or scientist. You could say it for like Copernicus or Galileo, all these other people who like came along and had, these grandiose thoughts that people rejected at the time that later turned out to be true. Um, I think that, I think that's cool. Um, and that was, that, that one just stands out for me. Um, I know you said it was like a little bit dragging. I, I kind of like the pacing of it, but um, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know if it's actually going to win my worst song award because, like, I'm just, ugh, I don't know. This is tough. But again, like I said, The Spider is by far my best song. I'm going to I'm gonna give this one my best, my, my least favorite song on the album. I just, uh, it, it's the opening for me. And then, like, obviously, they did the remix, and I don't think it got better. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, mm. they tried it again, and it was about the same. What there, had to be something, there had to be something right with it if they made a portrait, too. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but anyway, the, the yeah, my least favorite song is Nobody's Home. Um, <laughs> is so forgettable uh, for me. And it's just like, I can't think of a time where I would ever want to listen to this song. Be like, oh yeah, I'm going to add this to a playlist. I can't think of a playlist where I'd want to add this. Like maybe if I'm like going grocery shopping at 8.30 PM on a Saturday (laughs) night and just want to listen to something to like, I don't know. It's just there's no reason why I want to listen to this song outside of listening the whole idea of like listening to an album all the way through. So yeah, that's, right. that's my choice. Sure. 
Oh, interesting. I love it. I love it. Uh, most overplayed song on this album. There's really like three options. But like, I don't know. I think Dust in the Wind and Point of No Return are appropriately played. And I might not like Portrait, but I respect people's opinions. So if other people do, that's fine. I don't think there is an overplayed song. Yeah, I think that this album is definitely, compared to like the other albums that we've done so far, um, first off, you know, never mind. And Appetite for Destruction both had tracks on there that eclipse like a billion plays on Spotify at least. And so like, obviously like there's a chance that there's going to be a song that is overplayed on there. But yeah, like Dust in the Wind is, I mean, it's a good song. Um, it's just like, a it's going to be a mainstay, just like I said, based on kind of the instrumentation. It just has that timeless characteristic to it. But I don't think any of the other songs are hit that same threshold of like plays where they're played too much. Like I think Point of No Return is a good song. I think it's definitely played the appropriate amount. So yeah, I don't really think there's a good option for this unless you're just going to say Dust in the Wind considering it's the most played. But yeah, that's like I think the only one you could really give it to because a lot of these songs just aren't all that aren't played all that much. Right. Yeah. All right. Underappreciated. My underappreciated song. And this other thing, like a lot of these songs I feel are underappreciated, but I'm gonna say that it's probably lightning's hand even though i gave that one the award for like worst lyrics um overall i think it's still a fun song and i think that one can still get played more like i think the instrumental part of it is solid enough like not ever like we talked with uh, talked about on the nirvana episode like not every song has to have lyrics and make sense so it can still be a good song just having the instrumentation to it It's already won an award for me. Uh, for me, uh, Spider would be my choice for this. But if I had to pick a different one because I've already given that one award, I'm going to pick Paradox. I'm surprised this wasn't one of Kansas's biggest hits. Like, honest to goodness, I thought this, like, listening to this song again, could easily be one of Kansas's biggest songs and it's not yeah I'd be curious if um, if Portrait had done just a little bit better on the charts because um, like its peak was only 64 on, top, on the Hot 100 like if Portrait had gotten up to a level similar to Point of No Return maybe seeing if they released Paradox as a single after that I think it would have been interesting because I think yeah, Paradox is definitely a, a song that does not get played nearly as much. Like, you, I don't think I've ever heard it on the radio. I've heard it once. Okay. And, like, yeah. you know, overall, it's, like, the fourth or fifth most played song on the album. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, I'm just it's like people just don't get it doesn't get as much respect as some of the other songs. And but it definitely has that it has that feeling of like when you think of the songs that are like on like classic rock radio now, it feels like it could fit in there. And it just hasn't had the opportunity. It just never got the same opportunity. And it'd be hard to like try to make it work now because it's, you know, been out for, you know, over 40 years, 44 years now. Um, but I think if it, if it had, had that like 40 years of people listening to it on the radio and kind of developing an ear for it, I think it would be definitely up there with the other like iconic Ganza songs. All right, this is an award for uh, last point of the evening. Let's grade the album. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Well, you going start. first? Yeah. I'm starting. Oh gosh, that's so much pressure. Um, so, I enjoyed this album. Uh, like listening to it overall I think that it definitely kind of fell flat at certain points um, for me as an as an album I think there were just a couple songs that were in there that didn't make the most sense to me like Dust in the Wind being here just like the way that it's placed on the album it makes it feel a little bit odd um i my biggest thing here is like my thought was like there's so many things going on but i could think of other artists or whatever like in other albums i would like rather listen to to fill the same kind of space for me uh i really like point of return um it does just like such a good song like I said, Porch is fun. Dust in the Wind, like, I'm not going to, like, pad the album just based on, like, those songs. Overall, I think it's an album. It's okay. I like listening to it, but it's just not at the same level as some of the other stuff we've done. So my grade on it is a C. Um, I think it's got some good things going for it, but overall, it just kind of fell... A little bit flat for me the album cover is an a plus plus but the contents i'm gonna give it a c i was about to say the album art a plus easily i mean just and that's a theme for almost all of kansas's albums they are all so good art wise that being said i am right up there with you i gave this a c plus to a b minus i'm teetering on that edge it's like an average toward a slightly above average album and i think that slightly above average is like its peak and i don't think it's below average just because like i still say like you have a song on here in paradox that should be like a top five kansas hit and it's not there's so many undervalued songs on this album that I can't rate it lower than that. And I know I told you that next week we're going to do a uh, Aerosmith album. 
Um, but I am vetoing my previous decision. And I am super pumped for this. I saw this band a couple of years ago with a friend of mine. And I have tons and tons of stories about this band. It was the first concert I went to as a kid. I've seen them like four times. Next week, I think we should do Chicago Transit Authority, the debut album for the band Chicago. And we could talk about some of the quotes about their guitar player being the greatest guitarist of all time, the instrumentation, how much I hate playing 25 or 6 to 4 in Pep Band, even though it hypes everybody up. Mm -hmm. I, we, could, we could both reminisce on that. I'm pretty pumped to do this one because the 50th anniversary was just a couple of years ago. And it really is a timeless classic. But that's going to wrap up Point of No Return. What a, what a show. I, I love this. Even though I'm exhausted, I got to be at work and got to be up for work in seven hours. A Pacers game and recording a podcast with my French cafe background on on zoom i mean just a plus stuff um if you want to follow us on twitter uh which you know we're basically just going to be announcing giveaways and uh that might be associated with the show as well as if you have special guests coming up things like that or new episodes uh it's spin it underscore pod i am finishing up the facebook page finishing up Instagram, all that fun stuff. We'll get down the next episode. Um, and pretty soon, Yanni and I might be able to do some written album reviews, uh, just a paragraph or two about how I feel about an album. Um, and those will, of course, uh, come on our website once that goes live. Thanks so much for listening. It has been a pleasure delivering this content for you. Uh, wherever you might be listening, whether you're at home, or in the car, on the way to work, or just wanting to reminisce a little bit about a band or an album you liked as a kid. Uh, it's always great uh, to know what brought you here. And again, uh, if you have album suggestions, DM our Twitter. Uh, absolutely would uh, love to hear from some of our fans. And thanks for listening to this Minute to Win It Pod.